Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. So my uh, be a go. No, you. Well, first I'd like to point out that. Uh, oh, your name is Jeff on my on my Hangouts. We're gonna have to change. Can I change that, or does that have to come from you? I don't know. It's probably Can I change yours. What mine says you. <laughs> Hang on. Let me see if I can change it on my Google account. There's got to be a way to hide this. Yes. Oh, it just went away. It still says Jeff. Anyway. It says you take a while to show. While you're doing that, I'm going to point out that your uh, internet is horrendous. So, yes, thank so you. Your small Thanks for reminding me of that. Anytime. Your small picture down here actually looks fine, but when I blow you up, uh, you are quite pixelated. I bet. Yeah. That's fine. All right, how's that? Did it change? No, it still says Jeff. Uh, Maybe we got to start right. the call over. Do you want to do that, or you just want to leave it at Jeff for this one? You can try it. I don't care. All right, well, let's, uh, why don't you call me? I'm going to pause and you call me right back. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. It's kind of connecting. Nope, says Jeff. Maybe it'll fix next time. I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. So. First, before we jump into everything, I have a Cheeto story. Okay. Do you have a Cheeto story? Oh yeah, I do. Okay. So we'll display the picture of the uh, of the Cheeto. Do you want to go first, or what do you want to do? Sure. I, well, I'm eating my M and M's. Okay. I'll go. Are you ready? Yep. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I practiced this. Like five minutes ago. <laughs> I made it up five minutes ago. <laughs> they were dark days, dark times. The coronavirus had destroyed the world. Populations everywhere, scavenging, starving, dying. But a small group of people found that there was a secret solution. That Cheetos, yes, the innocent Cheeto, in fact had an enzyme that would combat this deadly virus. And so those who ate Cheetos were immune. Now this news hadn't gotten out, but the group was trying to spread it. And in this sad state of world affairs, enter Charles. So you see, Charles had the coronavirus, but he was on his last legs, gasping, wheezing, coughing, struggling for air. He made his way into a bathroom, wondering what to do, and then, he remembered deep in the deepest, darkest pocket of his jacket, he had stashed a bag of Cheetos. He opened that bag and pulled out a Cheeto, holding it aloft, screaming with joy, knowing that this could be his salvation, that he would finally be rid of this terrible illness. Sadly, the people outside the bathroom heard his screaming. They rushed in. What was wrong? There he was on the floor, kneeling, holding something above him that they couldn't quite make out. But then he started coughing again, and they realized 
He had the virus. He had to be helped. He was clearly almost dead. They dragged him, screaming from the bathroom. He yelled, he shouted, he tried to convince them to leave him there. They brought him outside. They called the ambulance, but alas, it was too late. James expired with one final breath, whispering, barely audible. <laughs> and still in the bathroom to this day, that lone Cheeto lays awaiting its chance to save someone else. But alas, it could not save James. The end. So I'm I'm impressed that you got that Cheeto whisper out. But that should you should have ended it like that should have been the end right there in retrospect. Yeah, you're right. You can edit that in post. Yeah, now you, here we go again. Okay, so, all right. And suddenly, as if from nowhere, CH3370 was aware. He did not know what had come before. Everything was darkness, as if it had never existed. He had no recollections. But he knew that he was. He gazed around to take in his surroundings, no comprehension of what was around him, but he knew that somehow he was. And without knowing what the future held, CH3370 knew that his future was bright and shiny and not at all full of cyclones in the water or any kind of date <laughs> or any dangers ahead. <clears throat> he knew that he was, and that was enough. That's it. <laughs> there you okay. go. Yours is much more good. topical than mine. I got to give you credit for that. Yeah, but it's going to take six months when the coronavirus is gone and no one's worried about it. Yeah. Oh, I hope it's not six months. Yeah. All right. So you want to you want to break into my life? Yeah. Or do you have something else you want to cover first? I got nothing but M and M's and orange juice, man. All right. So you now now we're drinking orange juice. <laughs> All right. You know we got lots of advice about this stuff. That's why I have the headphones. I was told to stop coughing, but that's kind of what I do. I can't really control that. So, um, man, this is going to take a minute. So my son, Justin, has been in Spain, in Madrid, all semester for foreign exchange. So we had planned a trip to Madrid, literally, uh, for the 13th of March through the know, 23rd. Third, something like that, 10 days. So over the past, you know, few weeks, several weeks as we've, as we've watched this develop, and you watch Madrid go from five cases to 50 to 100 to 200. Now it's 2,000 plus in, in Spain. Oh, wow. Yeah. So over the weekend, we decided, hey, we're not, I, I, I wasn't concerned about the virus. I was just concerned about 
the you know the reaction of everyone around like i don't want to get stuck in madrid it's not a bad place to be but you know it's not home um i don't want to be quarantined i, don't, I just don't want to deal with any there, any of the unknowns there's too many unknowns right so we decided to forego the trip to madrid and we've been talking to justin about coming home early because you know he's two months out his flight was back was like for the end of may um and today is March 11th, 2020, by the way. So this weekend, we changed our trip plans just to go to Miami, just uh, my wife and my youngest and I, Luke. And so we're going to go to Miami for like four days. Never never been. I've been to Fort Lauderdale with, with our friend Betch, which is basically Miami, but we hadn't been down there for a trip. So we planned that a lot. We took, I had to call the airline, get the tickets uh, to get credit for the tickets to Madrid. They gave that to me, then they spent part of it on tickets to Miami. We got a hotel. And I had been feeling, so I've had asthma my whole life. And there's stories around that too, as we go along. But, um, and I have pretty bad asthma. I've, so I've, I've, I've caught a couple bugs here lately and it's taken me a little longer to recover than it did used to for some reason, but probably it's getting older. And so I went to the doctor on Monday because I was had been having trouble, and um, she says to me, qu "She said, quote, you have very bad asthma, which I think is what I just said.' But that was that's, I've heard that I'm a chronic thanks, asthmatic. Doc. What? Thanks, Doc. Yeah, thanks. I know I've been having trouble breathing, <clears throat> like you know nothing that's earth-ending, but." You know, when you start getting winded from carrying a basket of laundry up the stairs, something's going on, you know. And I know the signs by this point. So she says, you need to, can you work remote? And I'm like, well, yeah, I can work remote. And she says, start doing that and start avoiding large crowds and wipe everything down. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, wait, what? So basically, I am self-quarantined because I would be high risk if I got the coronavirus. So, yeah. you know, I started doing a little bit of research. Like I looked at the swine flu that came out in, what, 2000, 2010, 2009, 2010, in a previous election cycle, of course. Although they're every two years, so I don't know. But, um, and actually, a lot of, like, 4,000 Americans died from that, and there were several million infections, and we never heard a word about it, right? Or we did. We heard about it, but we didn't really. It wasn't like the mass hysteria we have now. Right. So I'm currently working at home every day, which I don't enjoy. I like being at, at the office around people and I like, I just like working with people and that's what's currently going on. So in, well, there's, there's more, I guess. So now we've got Justin coming home on Friday. So two days from now he's coming home and since he's been in, Madrid, my doctor also told me that I should quarantine myself from him for 14 days, which is kind of the, the requirement. Like they say, you usually get it within five or six days, the symptoms, but it can go 14 days. And so he's coming home on Friday and I'm going to go stay with my mother-in-law slash sister for 14 days, which I'm not looking forward to, not because of those people. I just don't want to be away from home for that long. 
and kind of put out. I'm going to have to take my... Justin, right? You can't say hi to him. Welcome back. It's been months. Yeah. Yeah. And he has no, he has no symptoms at all. But, um, you know, he could be carrying them for, for 14 days before he shows them. And that's kind of the most dangerous thing about this, right? And why what makes it more dangerous is, is the symptoms take forever to show up. So, um, yeah, I'm moving out of my house on Friday to uh, live with my mother-in-law for sure for a little while. And I might go to my sister's. It's not, I, I just don't know. And I feel like, feel like very much... Like I could just be an alarmist because I just, this kind of stuff, I generally, you know, I, I think it's good to be prepared and I think it's good to be cautious and, you know, don't do stupid things, but I always wash my hands. You know, that's the thing. Wash your hands, count, seeing the ABCs, wash your hands, whatever. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I see people in public places a lot of times that, you know, they'll go in a bathroom stall do gross things and walk right out of the bathroom and you just you just shocked and unbelief while you're sitting there washing your hands so anyway i feel i feel a side of me feels like i'm being an alarmist but another side of me feels like if i happen to get this thing that the results could be catastrophic and i don't think it's worth the risk i think i'm better off holding up for 14 days yeah and then working at home as long as this thing is uh going until it subsides yeah so that's how i feel yeah, it's craziness. I mean, I think my opinion is it's overblown. Yeah. Way, way overblown. But it's exactly what you said. Abundance of caution, right? Better to be safe. So I understand it. But uh, now these companies like Google has asked their entire workforce to work from home. Um, Harvard and what was it? Harvard and some other big school have said after spring break, students are not to come back to campus. I mean, this is hugely disruptive, right? So I don't know, like, I'm not worried about it, but they say, I mean, if you're, if you're relatively young, if you're healthy, if you don't have asthma, um, most likely it's a, it's a bad cold and you're over it. And so in that sense, I'm not concerned, but I, I totally understand where the concern comes from. And for example, Pepper right now is, is at church um, having, a, a, there's a party actually, um, a big birthday celebration, but it's expected that maybe half of the people that were going to show up are going to show up because a lot of them are elderly and they're like, not worth it, right? So interesting to see how it plays out. Meanwhile, my retirement funds um, go down the toilet. So it's been, it's been great. Certainly you're hedged though, right? You don't have like the majority in the, in the stock market, right? Or do you? No, we're moving out into a cardboard box next week. Are you? Figure, yeah, I can't, can't afford the mortgage. So I've got some ramen stockpiled and some toilet paper. Sweet. And uh, we'll be living under a bridge. It's an overpass. It's nice. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, <clears throat> the whole thing is, um, I mean, they're going to have the NCAA basketball tournament with no fans. Yeah, and the Olympics, I apparently, are they're thinking about that. Too. I think, yeah, I think you'll have a bunch of baseball opening days right around the corner, and they're doing spring training. They'll probably start seeing empty stadiums. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, they tell you to keep a social distance of six feet, and all you do in a baseball stadium is rub up against people nonstop. Maybe <laughs> 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 you. 
I can't remember the last time I went to a baseball game and rubbed up nonstop against somebody, but. And then they kicked you out. <laughs> uh, All right. All right. Um, what else? Did you have other things that you wanted to? Did you have a list of? Well, I thought I thought that since we were reconnecting, and you and I have a pretty good idea of our story from the beginning, that maybe other people don't. And since we're super interesting, um, maybe we could just start from the beginning where, you know, we met in fourth grade. In fact, we had class together, Miss Bogdanor, right? Sure. But <laughs> The name sounds familiar. And uh, Armando was in there with his mechanical pencils, which is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Wasn't that his name, Armando? Armando Ortiz. Armando Ortiz, yeah, and he had mechanical pencils, and I'd never seen one. Wow. And this would have been circa, we would have been, what, 10, 11, so 82, 83? Who swallowed the pen cap? I have no idea. In uh, Doris, was that you? Was that Betch? In, in Joe Doors class? Betch, if you're watching. Yeah, I remember somebody, like, we had a sub, and somebody, I think it was Betch, was chewing on his pen, he swallowed the cap, like a big pen cap, and he asked to go to the bathroom or a nurse or something, and the sub didn't believe him. And he's like, I swallowed my pen cap. She's like, you did not. You're not getting out of class. Anyway, if, if Betch is listening to this, he should definitely call in and confirm or deny this. I think it was him. I, that sounds like a cried wolf situation because I'm sure he was always raising fake concerns to try to go to the nurse of the bathroom. So, All right, sorry, back to the mechanical, which was a much more interesting story. So, yeah, so we were, we had fourth grade together, I believe. I Boy, it's been so long. But we weren't really friends. I mean, we knew each other. Um, but we hardly rubbed up against each other all the time. I mean, that's, that's, sure. that's what happens in the school. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, boy, this is not going good. All right, so anyway. Um, and then I moved to Alabama during our fifth grade year. And that would have been 82, 83 school years. So I guess the previous one would have been 81, 82 school year in fourth grade. And then we came back for sixth grade and we were no longer at the elementary school, but we went to um, junior high, Henderson Junior High. Yeah. Today known as middle school, which we started sixth grade. And that was really where we became friends. And rubbed up against each other all the time. <laughs> this is the this will be the title episode two: rubbing up against each other. <clears throat> so anyway, it, man. I don't know. I just thought maybe if we took stories from there, the the one one taste I remembered was when when our group first started kind of coalescing, where we mentioned we had these six guys that were friends all the way through middle school and high school, and um, and it was it was you Cosmo and me Nooch and then our friends uh, Matt and Aaron at the time and I'm not sure I believe Morgan was there too but Betch didn't come in until later so I believe in eighth grade we had field day and we all ended up on the same team or we got ourselves on the same team and we were trying to name the field. Do you remember this? 
No, but keep going. Okay, so we were trying to come up with a name for the field day team. And all the girls on our team wanted to name us the Pink Panthers. Which, of course, we found amazingly objectionable. You know, there's no creativity there at all. And So our choice was Leech Sweat. So we wanted to be called Leech Sweat. I, that rings a bell, yeah. believe it or not. In the depths of my mind, Leech Sweat triggered something. See? So uh, all of us wanted Leech Sweat, and the girls wanted Pink Panthers, so we settled on Pink Leech Sweat. Um, which I can only imagine was somehow we got a little more of the piece of that pie. <laughs> Triumph for the boys. So that was kind of when our first, our group, when of course we won nothing at field day, but we had one athlete, Matt, and the rest of us were just a bunch of jokers. <clears throat> now, you, were a, you were a prime golfer, as I recall. I did get pretty good at golf in high school. You and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Aaron was not as good as me at the end. We were the same at the beginning, but he, he seems to think he meddled a few times our senior year, but that's just not true, and I don't know how to... He's going to call him now. That's fake news! That's fake news! He does that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I got... Yeah, hey, I tried out for the baseball team in high school. I was I was quite the athlete myself. Did you know I tried out for baseball my freshman year? I don't remember that at all. True story. Yeah, I totally... I mean, this was the start of my major league career because I had played wiffle ball so much on your side yard. Remember when I was playing the side yard? I don't know why. Anyway, so I tried out for the baseball team and on the first day of practice we were doing grounders where they would hit them and you had to feel them, except I lost one of my contacts at tour. So I only had one contact in and I'm pretty much blind without my contacts. And so I of course had no depth perception whatsoever and we're hitting we're, we're fielding grounders that are coming at us and I can't see them until they're like three feet away popping up in my face. And so I was like, coach, I, I lost a contact. Um, you know, I, I got a replacement. Can can I like not count today? Or when the coach was like, this is part of tryouts. You got to field your grounders or you can't be on the team. So sadly, true story, my uh, baseball career ended right there that day. All to a tear torn contact. That's why. Yeah. And then I went into speech and debate, which is, of course, much more study well, and theater. I want to back up a little bit. So you're saying your entire baseball career was derailed, not because of athletic ability or a, a wealth of experience playing baseball, which you didn't have, but... You have seen me play wiffle ball. You know that I'm a giant on the field. <laughs> yes. By the way, we played in the side yard because there were uh, clear delineations of, like, doubles and homers and triples. So... Oh, was that... Yeah, like... And, and we weren't big enough to hit the ball, like, out of the you know, too far at that point. So, like, if you hit it, like, in the air into the street, it was a double. <laughs> and if you hit it over the street, it's a triple. <laughs> yeah. And, like, if you hit it past neighbor's tree, it was a homer. Um, but then okay. one, once, like, you know, my brother Jacob was an athlete, and once he got to where he was crushing it, like, on top of their house, we had to move it to the backyard. Yeah. Where he proceeded to crush it on top of the other person's house, which was, like, way farther, like... I could that he drove it. Uh, yeah, my brother's an athlete. I'm not. Sure he was crushing the wiffle ball. Pretty yeah, sure. He's pretty sure. That's see. That also reminds me of the, okay. of your explanation for why you have horrible eyesight. Because I used to stare at the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it makes these sweet patterns. It like kind of anyway. Don't stare at the sun, kids. 
and that's burns your retina. <laughs> so there's no like genetic markers there that would have given you bad eyesight. That's the only. You only say that because everyone in my family wears glasses. It's a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, so to be clear, you did you stared at the sun, which ruined your eyes, and then ripped the contacts. So you didn't make the baseball team, and the rest is history. That sums up my life right there. <laughs> I'm trying to get other stuff from uh, from middle school, well, junior high for us. But I remember that we had uh, Mr. Troa had a computer. What was that thing called? Oh, yes. I don't know what it was called. It was called a computer. It had a good three-inch screen. And it was really deep. It was like like two and a half, three feet deep. Like the monitor was on the front and the computer was behind it. Yes. <laughs> and he taught us how to do basic programming. One, it was one unit. Yeah. Yes. And I would, finish, I would finish my work early in class, and then he would let me clock away on the computer. So I'd go up at his desk. Talk about a teacher's pet. I mean, all the kids were jealous or envious. I think it's envious of, of me getting to go up and type on Mr. Troja's computer. But I'll tell you this about Mr. Troja. The one thing I remember is he would give out word searches. This is science. And so you give out word searches and they were like full page word searches. And you had to find whatever, 20 words. And if you did that, you'd get like, I don't know, 10 extra credit points or something like that. But this was the start of my fledgling computer software career. So I went home and on our Apple II, um, I wrote a program where you'd enter the word search letters, like you'd literally type in all the letters for the word search, and then you type the words and it would find them. The computer program would search and it would find them. And so I had this computer program that could solve the word searches probably, I mean, given the time it takes to type all that in and then type in the words you're looking for, I probably could have solved it by hand. But the point, kids, <laughs> is that I wrote a computer program to solve the word searches to get extra credit in science. And... Now I'm a computer programmer. Coincidence? I didn't even know that. I didn't know you did that. Oh, yeah. Are you actually a computer programmer? Is that what your, your title would be? Software designer? Web interface guy? Developer. Cooler. Okay. When people ask what I do, I say computer stuff, which I think is vague enough that I could pretty much do anything except being a shepherd, which is the other thing I say I do. Well... I don't, know, I don't know where to go with that. Lots of rubbing up against. Uh, so anyway, um, see, here's what I remember from programming computers in Mr. Troja's class is he taught us basic programming. And I would write 10, go to, wait, no, I'd write 10, line 10, print, quote, Dirk, quote. Line 20, go to 10. Oh, are you sure that was Troja or was that Mr. Durst? No, it was Mr. Not Mr. Durst had like two. Remember that? I was not Mr. Durst. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes about Henry Durst. I have two things I remember about him, and I don't. <laughs> One is he would, when he'd make a point that he found interesting, he'd lick his fingers and go on his eyebrow. the like, eyebrows. You know, this is like the move. He would, he doubled it. Yep. The second thing I remember is we were playing chess at lunch because we used to, since the school was new, we didn't have a lunchroom. So we ate lunch in the classrooms for three years, I think. And um, we were playing chess at lunch and something happened and I called you a dork. And he said, what? 
He said, Dirk, four-letter word. Warning, warning. Because he gave warnings when you get in trouble. So I got a double warning because I called you a dork. Oh. Which is a four-letter word. As is your name and <laughs> well, mine. That's kind of what... Although I looked it up and I guess dork is an old word for, you know, penis. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So he was clearly old. So he was... Deserved the double warning. Yeah, I should have known that. Playing chess at lunch. Again, showing off what studs we were. Maybe if you'd played lunch. The <laughs> who was the Publius? That wasn't Durst. That was that. Uh, who was that? The Spectra teacher. Yeah. Uh, so in Spectra. Uh, Spectra, by the way, kids, is a gifted class where you get to go for an hour of the day and waste time. Um. Occasionally do a small project, mostly play cards, and micro league baseball. That's what you're talking about. So we played. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing into the mic again. Sorry, Aaron. Coronavirus. It might be. Um, micro league baseball was like an early version of computer software baseball where we drafted teams and we type in their stats for the year. Then you set your lineup and you set your defense. You can call pitches if you want. And then they just tee off and, and go crazy. So we drafted teams. We got Mr. Novak to draft a team. And we were Novak. <laughs> yep. He was also the soccer coach. But he had zero entry. <laughs> he thought we were ridiculous. And so he wasn't looking at the statues, just picking people based on names. Like he'd pick Ryan Sandberg who had a horrible year. We thought he we'd just laugh. We were just oh he's gonna he's gonna suck. <laughs> oh we we were pretty triumphant about being able to crazy game. Like we were picking guys like Cesar Cedeno, who in '85 played like two months with the Cardinals and hit like 430 or something. You know, and he's picking guys that are batting 250, and so we just crushed him. But his team's name was the Publius, which is Latin for people. Name. I remember his for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't remember ours. Yeah, that was clearly a gifted program project. Clearly, that was for only gifted students to do stuff like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure we played lots of Taipan in there, too, where we were dealing opium. and Yeah. Hey, that was learning about financial markets. I agree. 100%. How about those financial markets now? How's your... Uh... Oh, we already discussed that. Too soon. That'll be fine. Come back in four months. All right, so that pretty much sums up our junior high career. Then we went to high school. There's one more story. We Wait. I, oh. I just thought of our We were in eighth grade algebra, which you took to much more than I. Um, with This is Rockenbacher. <laughs> I don't know why we did that, but it was funny then, and it's funny now. <laughs> you couldn't even... You can't hold your lips out. Okay. So we were in, now this gets less funny. We were in her class when the space shuttle exploded. And I don't, a lot of people talk about how they had TVs out and they were excited about the first teacher. And I remember that, but I don't remember like a super amount of hype. We did not have a TV out. No. I just remember they had made it. They announced it is how I remember it over the intercom, and she started crying. And I, you know, we had no, we were what, thirteen. We didn't relate to that at all. Didn't we all go to the cafeteria <laughs> and watch? No, like hold a TV out on a 
one of those media carts and we all sat in the cafeteria and watched reports about it, I think. Did we? I, I really don't remember that. Yeah, I was always a year ahead in math. So like when you Yahoo's were taking algebra with Mrs. Rademacher, I was doing algebra too. No, you weren't. Um, yeah, I was. In eighth grade? Yeah, I did algebra too while you sat there doing algebra. Getting C's in algebra. True start. Maybe. I don't remember that. So what, we were in the same classroom and you were doing algebra two at the time? Yeah, they didn't have an algebra two class. And so it was just me. And so uh, Mr. Davis, Steve Davis, he taught me algebra two. And then I would do the homework in algebra class. class. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of... I'm kind of smart. Yeah, you are kind of smart. That's true. It reminds me of uh, Bill Gates. Like, everybody talks about, like, you're like you're like Bill Gates, see? But everybody talks about how, oh, you can be anything in America if you want to be and you work hard enough. And it's just not true. It's like, you can try to be anything you want to be and you can probably be successful at it. But you can't be Bill Gates. Because Bill Gates in, like, seventh or sixth grade was scoring high on standardized, the highest score in the state of Washington standardized math tests out of anybody, including like seniors in high school. Oh yeah? Yeah, so he was a verifiable genius from the very beginning. And so, uh, you know, he was <laughs> clearly born with a much higher ceiling than uh, either you or I, but th that just makes me think of that because clearly you had a much higher ceiling than I did <laughs> in eighth grade. I remember, so not to brag, but we took... So Morgan and I were always competing, and I, I'm pretty sure Morgan did not take algebra two. So Morgan, you should tell me if that's true or not. Um, but we did this thing called the Science Olympiad. Do you remember the Science Olympiad? It was like a standardized test, and everyone had to take it. And it was like anyway, it was a nationwide science test. And I got a medal, like an honest to goodness. I mean, it was the Olympiad, um, but it was a medal like this big um, because I had scored a perfect score. I, I didn't miss a question on the Science Olympiad test. True story. I did so well in that test, I flushed it from my memory. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And look, now you're living with your mother-in-law. <laughs> That's totally fair. All right. You were going into high school. Uh, High school. Yeah. So is that when Betch showed up on the scene? I believe so. He moved from uh, North County. He was the baby, and his brothers were all grown up, and his family moved. Yeah, they're all like soccer stars and stuff. He's my favorite Betcher. Anyway, yeah, Betch was fun. And then, uh, and then we had like the satellites, the people that were like in farther orbits from us, um, like Jay Duggar and Mike Alexander, who weren't really part of the core group, but who we hung out with probably for sheer novelty, really. Mark Ha... What was his name? Mark? Mark Hatton. 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 That's once snorted a soda cracker up his nose on there. That's, that's what I was going to point. That's I remember about that guy. We. No, that's not true. That's not true. What's the other story about Mark Hatton? You don't remember. I... We were like, this was at lunch. <laughs> when we were, were you there at lunch when we were doing the Valentine's, the Lovelgrams or whatever? No. You were part of that? No? Okay, so so it's Valentine's Day week, and you can send a, a Valentine's letter to your crush or whatever. And at lunchtime, you could fill out these envelopes and write your note and put it in the envelope, 
and then you pay, I don't know, 50 cents. It was a fundraiser for band or whatever. And then during seventh period, they would deliver your Valentine to your crush, whatever, in, in their classroom. So they bring these letters to, to people late in the day. And so we were at lunch and we were like, Morgan, Morgan was distinctly not there at lunch. And so we decided we were going to send little Valentine's lovegrams to Morgan, except we didn't want to take the time to write notes to him. So we mailed him food instead. So, for example, I remember distinctly taking a dinner roll at one point and mashing it down until it was like flat and then writing a big heart on it and stuffing it in the envelope and addressing it and, and having it delivered to Morgan. And we did this for like three or four days straight. And I remember we included things like peas. Um, and so anyway, poor Morgan is here, seventh period, and he gets like this stack of, of letters, some of which are dripping like soggy pea juice and stuff like that. Um, and the Mark Hatton tie-in, because I know you're waiting for that, was that we were telling Mark, Mark was the one addressing him or something like that, writing on the outside. And we're like, um, put Morgan Rose on the envelope. And he couldn't hear us for whatever reason. It was loud in the cafeteria or whatever. He, he, and he thought we had said Morgan or horse. So he wrote Morgan or horse on the envelope. Thus, Morgan's first nickname was horse. I didn't. You act like you didn't. It sounds familiar. You, when you when you get when you say Morgan or horse, it sounds familiar. Morgan, Morgan R O S E, and he thought it was Morgan or horse, and that's what he wrote. And then it became Morganism and Mogan and Mort and Joseph Stalin, Stalin and Morgasm and Morg, like the dead people placed. Anyway, Morgan has lots of nicknames. Stallion. But I think horse is the one we horse is, is the most recognizable and clear nickname for Morgan. Yes, but that's that's where it came from, is what I'm saying. I you know what? I it when you get to the Morgan or horse part, it then it rings a bell, but none of the rest of it, I boy, this stuff is so far removed, it's so maybe, funny. Maybe you weren't there. It was hilarious. It was clearly one of the highlights of my high school career well, is sending him mushed peas. Clearly. That had to be. And, you know, lunch was crazy because we might only have two of us have lunch or something like that. So, yeah, together. No, I remember. So you mentioned the Mark Hatton. We handed him like a 10 or a 20 and said, we dare you to snort a saltine. Crush it up like a little pile of cocaine because that's how cool we were. And use yeah. this 20 to snort it. And he did. He crushed that thing up into a tiny powdery paste and rolled that 20 up and snorted it and screamed bloody murder as soon as it went into its nose. I don't know. Your nasal passages are made for that. Oh. Now, the other thing, speaking of nasal passages, so you, you said Jay Duggar, the other guy that we hung out with. Hung out with. Do you like that segue? That was masterful right there. Yeah. Well played, Thank sir. You. Thank you. So Jay would string things through his nose back into his throat and then kind of do this with them so the two things i can think of are i believe a spaghetti noodle he did it with which is very yeah. that's that's very sensitive you got to really have your um the right pressure points or that spaghetti noodle will just break off your nose and be there forever but the second thing he did this is really really smart is a paper clip <laughs> yep <laughs> he would fold he'd unfold a paper clip kind of fold down the the See big what? ones. Yeah, the big ones. It was ones. the big yeah. Paper. Right. Yeah. And he would fold over the end of it because, you know, you don't want the sharp part of the paperclip going into your nose. 
and then he'd stick it back through his nasal passage so it was sticking out the back in the back of his throat. I don't remember how he got it out because when you pulled it out, it would have had to scrape against stuff because it. Oh. Maybe he pulled it back in his mouth. I don't know. He would snort it up though. He just back. Oh gosh. God, it was amazing. That's a guy I'd like to know where he is today. Maybe he's watching. Maybe, Maybe he is watching. watching. What's going on, Jay? And he would carry. He carried a briefcase, which was you know. Yeah. He definitely stuck out for that. And then he yeah, also. He him and Mike Alexander would write as tiny as possible which of course meant that they always had mechanical pencils which we've established earlier are really cool mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i still don't like writing with uh, wooden pencils I, i'll i'll search high and low for a mechanical pencil before i write with a wooden one yeah 0.5 millimeter thank you yes indeed yes. 0.7 what oh that's for children yeah it's horrible it's like a it's like almost giant crayons and you're just <laughs> <laughs> or those builder block Legos that are, you know, size right. Right, the hand. Duplo. Duplo, yeah. Yeah, so that was the side group. That that pretty much sums up high school, I think, for us. Except for the part where Derek joined the group. So we got to give a shout out to Derek here. Hey, Derek. Um, Morgan's older brother and the favorite in the family. Oh, wait. <laughs> He's not. Um, and I, he joined us playing cards. I probably, we played poker and did that every weekend. And Derek would join and he would take everyone's money, particularly Betch. And, uh, and then he, occasionally more satellite people, people like, uh, what, Tex? What's yeah. his name? Mike McElroy? Mike McElroy, yeah. Zach and the Gons. All those guys would show up every now and then, every few months, and lose a whole bunch of money to, to us and to Derek, and then they would be gone again. So that was good. Good times. So the Gons, uh, his, he runs a stained glass company now. His family owned it or owns it. And so I used him for my uh, MBA, like my final project. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I gave him, I wrote out a business plan, and I was going to give it to him, and I, and I never got to go with him again. I need to do that, but and that was a year ago. My parents have a stained glass piece hanging in their house that was made by the Gons. Um, they didn't know at the time, but they were, I don't know, talking or whatever. And he recognized their last name. And he's like, do you know Cosmo? And they said, no, who's Cosmo? And he says, oh, I mean, Jeff. And then they realized it was Jeff. But uh, that was that, like 10 years ago. So that didn't happen. No, actually, it did happen. They the didn't, Cosmo not the part, Cosmo. yeah. <laughs> but uh, they really do have a piece of stained glass by the Gons hanging in their house. It's very nice. Yeah, he's really good, and it may, that makes sense because you know it's, that thing's he's been there. It's in Cottleville. Mm -hmm. They've had that thing for like thirty years, so that's cool. So playing cards was definitely uh, awesome. I loved playing cards with you guys. We played poker every weekend. We'd get together and play Sparks, which is our made-up combination of spades and hearts, which I taught my kids, of course, and they love. And we play mostly hearts, as the nickname is. And uh, poker was fun because uh, I would usually win a little bit. Derek seemed to win the most. But Betch would lose so often that we actually had Betch bucks, didn't we? Is that what they were called? He had the magic wallet. He would just pull. He, yeah, he'd always be like, done. I'm done after this hand. I got no money left. But then the wallet would show up, and he had another 20. Yeah. Another 20 to lose. And then Derek had the big board, which is his piece of paper where he'd keep track of everyone's debts because for every reason, everyone always owed Derek. So the big board uh, was all the IOUs. And we actually, I remember there was a market to trade 
whatever you call it, Vetch bucks or whatever. There were IOUs from Vetch that you could trade back and forth. Um, and after a particularly rough night, I was unhappy and I lost like the last game of Woody to to Vetch or something. And so I told him I'd pay him the next day. So the next day at school, I had I had taken the, I think I owed him like, I don't know, three bucks or something like that. I mean, we're talking big stakes. And so I took a, a roll of duct tape. I put out a piece of duct tape and I, I put nickels all the way down this duct tape. And then I put another piece of duct tape over the top of it so that they were stuck together with all the nickels in between. Three dollars worth of nickels. This? I remember this. $3, $5, whatever. There were a whole bunch of nickels in this long roll of stuck together duct tape. And you're never getting that thing apart. And so I rolled it up and I gave it to Betch the next day. And I'm like, here's your money. Because I was still kind of grumpy about the whole business. And uh, there, there ensued an argument about whether that was legal tender or not. And we agreed that eventually that it was. But he did get his revenge because the next time we played cards, he brought it. And when he needed to pay me, he would tear off the appropriate number of nickels and he'd give me this duct tape strip of nickels. So well played, Batch. Well played. It seems highly appropriate. Yeah, it was. Okay. See, now I recall what the game we used to play um, that we had to stop playing where Alter was in between. And yes. So the way in between works is everybody puts a dollar in the pot. You put two cards out and then you bet on whether the next card will be in between those two cards. And if it's in between, you can take like half of the pot the first time around. Then you take the whole thing after one round or something like that. But if it ends up being outside of those two numbers, then you will lose and you have to double the pot. So if there's $5 in there, so if it's like a... No, if it's outside, you just pay your bet. If it if it hits the ends, if it matches, then it's double. I thought it was if it matches the end, you have to... Like double. you pay double the pot, so you, instead of five dollars, you'd pay ten. You pay double your bet. Okay, whatever. No, that's what we changed it to. Oh, this is important. If you no. if you lose your bet, you lose your bet. No, look. But if it hits the ends, then you pay twice. Okay, you're right. You lose your bet. So you can bet whatever amount you want, but after like one time around the table, you could bet the whole pot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So we would literally get in these games, and you know most of them would be fine. Five, ten bucks, twenty bucks, whatever. Which twenty bucks for us was a tr tremendous amount of money. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were making. I think at the time three thirty-five was minimum wage. Sounds about right. Remember when your parents used to tell you that like twenty-five cents was minimum wage, and you thought they were so <laughs> old. <laughs> um. So we had several times where you would you would get two cards, like a king and a two. And the pot would be 40 bucks. And this almost always happened to Morgan Horse. Yeah, always Morgan. So with a king and a two and 40 bucks in there, you just, you just, and you know that a king, there's a, a king and a two that already been played. So there's only four left in the deck and there's 40 cards. So you would just variably point, point at the pot and say, pot. What? And then you turn the next card over and it's a king and you have to double the pot. <laughs> so you got to pay 40 Those bucks. Those were good days. <clears throat> and there'd be screwed. And oh, it was so much fun. Yeah, there was a mess. Yeah, we I, I introduced it to college. I introduced it to friends in college, and the exact same thing happened. It is just the nature of the game. You can start with 25 cent Annie, it doesn't matter. You will always get to hundreds of dollars before you know it. It's like watching poker on TV or even playing poker when just, just crazy, stupid stuff happens that shouldn't happen. So, yeah. Yeah. 
We played a lot of cards. Well, I'm going to play a game between tournament this weekend um, to try to make back my retirement savings that have been lost in stock market. So wish me luck. Are you playing against the Trumpster? No, but Morgan's going to be there, so I figure my chances are good. This weekend? Yeah, the big in-between tournament in <laughs> Vegas. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Do you like but, the sun right there in the yeah, camera? Do you see I, it? I had already been thinking about that, but, I, you know, whatever. I'm trying to block it with my, with my big head. So Your connection's so poor, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it you're, doesn't matter. It's just a big white spot. Yeah, basically. What is that? <laughs> is that I'll your, take white spot for 500, Trebek. <laughs> Sorry about your Humvee. <laughs> um, we played cards like in class, in at lunch. We play cards everywhere. I, I played spades. We had lunch, and none of the rest of you guys were at lunch with us. It was just me and Betch. And we played spades every day, same deck of cards. And we kept track of the score for an entire year of school. And our scores were in the tens of thousands. And not that I'm a math geek, but I actually entered the scores into a computer so I could graph them. And uh, I ended up I ended up losing badly. Like, we were kind of seesawing back and forth for a while. But at one point, I don't know. That's just took the lead by thousands. And I actually still have that deck of cards. It's it's well loved. Oh, I that's cool. Say. Did you still have yeah. the Apple IIe at the time? You built a graph on the Apple IIe? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? I believe I believe the proper response to that is bless you. <coughs> what? what just happened? So, all right. Okay. I want. I, I want to get. Off, I have a question for you. You're sneezing. I'm coughing. And coronavirus. So you said you're you're interested or okay to talk about this. If you want to talk about it. You want to talk about? Uh, you're talking about the subject that we shall not talk about. This, yeah, that Voldemort. It's go for it, man. So, <clears throat> you d you didn't vaccinate your kids, right? That is true. For anything. Uh, no, not when they were infants. Oh, they got vaccinations later to go to public school or what? No, like Alex got vaccinations to leave the country. Oh, okay. Like that. Okay. So did he get like the polio vaccine as an, as an adult then? I don't know. He, he got a whole slew of them. So he made his own choice to do that? He did. All right. So I, why, why? What, what's the story? Um, I think it's because, so one of the, one of the things is, um, so I'm a libertarian, pretty hardcore libertarian, and, uh, I feel pretty strongly against the government mandating, dictating, requiring things like that. So when I see the government talking about requiring, uh, parents to do things to their kids, that kind of gets my hackles up a little bit. Now that said in Colorado, anyway, um, there is no current law that requires you to vaccinate your kids. However, once they hit public school age, as you know, there are questions that are asked and you have to claim exemptions and have a conversation and things like that. But bottom line is, I feel like infant babies, I mean, they're vaccinating kids when they're like a week old, sometimes a couple months old as they go through the, the series or whatever. And kids' immune systems are just, they're simply not fully developed at that time, right? So it's that's, in my mind, too early 
to be worrying about that kind of stuff. You need to wait until their immune systems are more developed. Um, I'm not sure I buy into the whole like autism thing and all that kind of stuff, but uh, there are definitely side effects. And when I see, when I drive around town in the winter and I see all these free blue vaccines, um, of course they're not free. They're expecting your insurance to pay for them. But how can you vaccinate against like the 20 or 30 strains of flu? They're, they're literally making a guess about what strain of flu this is that's going to come out this year. And that's the vaccine they produce. And the, the chances of being, being um, effective are pretty low. Like you're, it's a crapshoot, right? And so um, I just have this thing about um, feeling like our bodies are pretty smart and they can take care of themselves to a high degree. I, I'm a healthy person. And so I don't need a flu vaccine every winter. If I get sick, which I did a couple months ago, I get sick about once a year, spent four days kind of feeling crappy, but that was that. Um, that's kind of my stance on it. I completely support other people's choices. Again, that's the libertarian in me talking. Um, you should and can do what you want. And that's what we chose to do as a, as a family after talking about it. So is there like a uh scientific decision i mean you said there's there are side effects is, is there because you know i mean vaccines did eliminate like polio sure and and if there was a polio i mean the vaccinations that that you get these days are for things like what tuberculosis that doesn't happen right um if i was bitten by a rabid dog i would probably get what do you get a rabies vaccination then right um, more like as needed, um, do something to take care of it. But I, I didn't feel like the vaccinations that were available were, were threatening to my kids. You know what I mean? Like those diseases were not threatening to them. Now you could, I know the arguments, right? I know arguments for both sides. The, the, the one side, the pro vaccination side says, well, there's this, this herd mentality, right? Like if everyone else is getting vaccinated and your kids aren't, then you're not helping. You're, you're the problem. And yet, I can't help but notice that my kids almost never miss school for being sick. And they were, oh my gosh, some of their friends were sick all the freaking time. They were vaccinated. Now, I'm not saying those vaccinations made them sick, but my point is, if you have a healthy immune system, you're gonna be okay. Same with coronavirus, right? To bring it up to date, the coronavirus right now is this worldwide pandemic scare. And yet, if you're a healthy adult or even child, you're probably gonna be fine. If you have health issues, as you do, or if you're elderly or if you have a weakened immune system or whatever, then yeah, you're much more at risk. But they don't see kids getting it because kids tend to have strong immune systems. End of soapbox. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Um, yeah, I, I just think uh, for me, it's like the vaccines have, have cured lots of diseases and polio and mumps and measles and et cetera. Like I know that Bill Gates is trying to completely eradicate polio because they still have cases of it in Africa. I think he's working on malaria. You might be working on malaria. Found? No, I don't think he's doing polio. I think he was doing polio. I thought maybe okay. he could be doing both. I mean, the guy's investing billions of dollars, and Buffett mm -hmm. gave him like thirty billion dollars just to uh, fund it all with. But no, that's interesting. I've just always kind of wondered the uh, your case for that. So. I just go with the flow. If the doctor says do it, I do it, you know. Yeah, I'm much more of a skeptic, not only with that, but with many aspects of my life. So, um, so yeah, I, I want to research 
for myself and make my own decisions. And I respect the decisions of others and I want my kids to make their own decisions. So. Very interesting. Hang on, I'm gonna pause for a second here and start there because it's gonna run out here in six minutes. So hold please. We're back. Good evening. Good evening. So that was uh, a high school thing. We talked about the debate or the uh, forensics team. We did a dramatic interpretation together, DI, of a, I think it's an entire play with Dudley Moore and um, Peter Cook. Peter Cook. A minor correction. That was duet acting, not dramatic interp. Dramatic interp was a one-person event. You're right. It was duet acting. So, Dana Nofke did dramatic interp. Did she? Remember Dana? Is that Aaron's yeah. girlfriend? Mm, it might have been. I just remember Amy, his girlfriend, and you know that story. I don't know if we want to tell that story. <laughs> Maybe not. Anyway, on with your duet acting story. Well, so we did... I don't even know if the play was called Good Evening. We called it Good Evening. And we did five minutes from that. And, of course, I was Dudley Moore because he's a short guy. And you were Peter Cook because he's the tall, blonde guy and I'm the short, dark-haired guy. True. I don't remember much about it, but we had English accents. We did. And I think we did okay with that. Well, we did okay in the in the event. I only did that maybe once or twice with you. I, I didn't, That wasn't really my event. But I do know – we didn't we do, like, a scene to try out for – a play it might have been like the good doctor or something like that and you got in and i didn't and i was like kind of bent out of shape about that because i was uh those were in the kurt natal cedar years when there was like this core group of people aaron black and alicia somebody and aaron and you were all like in the stable of actors but that would and not that have been because not... good doctor was our senior year and he wasn't there anymore and you were in that okay because good well, doctor Good Doctor was when we were driving home one night with you in the passenger seat of the duster and my sister and the Tony guy in the back seat, maybe just my sister. And we were driving down the, was we called it the highway, but it had stoplights. You can go 55. It's Highway 94. Highway 94. And there were a bunch of, we, we thought we were cool. We were seniors, right? So we were very mature and, and up there and been driving for a while. And a bunch of kids, probably 16 and 15, maybe one of them could drive. We're all in this car next to us and whatever, just giving us the business, just being stupid. And so you, like, fake flipped them off, right, with your ring finger? Like, you gave them the, yeah. like, repeatedly, like, and, of course, they took it. Because this, again, is how cool you and I were. These That's were, right. These are the things we would do. <laughs> we were 18 years old we're adults well those guys followed us and there were like i don't know six of them in the car there were a lot of they were like 16 <laughs> 20 probably so i was like you know what i when i was i was getting uncomfortable like and gail's in the backseat freaking out my sister and it's like man these guys are following us they're gonna there's and you're like whatever bring them on they're 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 kids above and i'm like there's like six of them and i'm not very big and you're pretty skinny yourself <laughs> hey now i tried out for the baseball team oh yeah i forgot um and so we pulled up to a stoplight to turn left 
and they pulled in behind us. And I remember we were talking, and all of a sudden, your car door opens, and one of them punches you right in the face. That's right. Right here. I got a bridge in my nose. It's actually probably hurt him more. <laughs> and you start to undo, and then they leave. And you start to undo your seatbelt to go get them, and we had to, I had to talk you out of getting out of the car. Oh, I was mad. That's this, probably the maddest, most violent I've been in my entire life. I was going to take that kid and show him something. Anyway, I was really upset. And I'm, like, stuck in the seatbelt. I'm, like, <laughs> trying to get out because I was so mad I forgot to undo the seatbelt. And you're, like, yelling to get back in the car, and we got to go. And Gail's probably crying at that point. Yeah, so we – anyway. We, we did the left turn and like circled around Taco Bell and came out and I was waiting to turn left back on to go back home and they pulled up next to us and right then I was able to turn left and we got away from them. But yeah, you were, yeah. Uh, you got punched in the nose because you flipped a guy off with your ring finger. Yeah. There was going to be murder in the headlines the next morning. <laughs> there that I, got now that... <laughs> I couldn't have helped you. Good Lord. I, well, I was I... mad enough. The adrenaline alone would it was like I was like the Incredible Hulk. It would have been a, a bloodbath. If I weighed 120 pounds at the time, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Well, we had just gotten out of theater. I mean, yeah. this is the kind of firepower we're talking about. Yeah, we were coming home from good doctor rehearsal. Yeah. Then you got right, like, we, oh, what were we wrapping up? It's like an hour. I thought our shows were like an hour or less. No one wants to listen to this for two hours. Think of the entertainment value. I'm thinking of their commutes to work. Like, you know, Derek only has a drive that's so long to listen to this kind of stuff. Why is everything about Derek? Ooh. That'll be our next topic. <laughs> Why is everything about Derek? That'll be next time we podcast. Because he's the favorite. <clears throat> so FYI. Oh, not. So FYI, when, um, when Justin comes home on Friday night and then I'm, living with my mother-in-law uh we're gonna start podcasting our uh our uh, quarantine every night we're gonna, we're gonna get together and talk about it wow yeah, quarantine podcast okay i'm sure they have are speech. you gonna wear like with the big that would be sweet yeah like i'm breaking bad where they've got the big yellow hazmat suits and they're in the tent yeah all and i know is i'm gonna go wash my hands for 20 seconds as soon as we're done here because i've been talking to you you feel you're high risk you feel a little dirty you dirty. Oh, I left that out right. of the Cheeto story. I was going to, I was going to, I left that out of the Cheeto story. He was going to, so it's going to be CH3370 was aware. And, and he, he didn't know what he felt, but he knew he felt a little bit dirty. And that, I left that out. I forgot. Wow. We should end on that note. All right. Cut. Cut. See ya next week. Good evening. All right, good evening.